the opportunities for entrepreneurship uh, are, are very, um, I think that they're greater than they've ever been. And I think a lot of that through uh, the internet, but also uh, there's economic opportunity if you know where to look for it. And so what I would say to people that are thinking about doing that is that again, there's nothing wrong with taking risks. I mean, it's, it's risk management isn't about okay. avoiding all risk because if that were the case, um, it would be, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning and get in the shower for fear of falling. And, and at some point you have to, you have to live intentionally, as you say, you have to um, take risks on purpose. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. I had an incredible conversation with a good friend of mine, Nicholas Apps, who is a, a lawyer and attorney that lives in central Wisconsin. And we talked to everything from, you know, wills to living trusts to what you should have entity stru structure as a business owner to what you should do if you're in real estate um, to even like how he builds wealth, like how he owns real estate and he runs a business and he has life insurance and he's really taking his money to the next level. And we also talked about our love for Tesla and, and so much more. So um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your pen and paper out, take good notes, because when we talk about wealth and we talk about where we're going, what we have to be able to do is we have to say, this is where we want to go, but what risk could we incur that could take us away from that? And I think talking to an attorney that thinks with the end in mind can help us make sure that we can put a bulletproof around our financial life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Nicholas at Apps. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wolf Podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine, a client, and actually the person that introduced me to Tesla and, and encouraged me, probably had the most influence early on in my life on, on to make a decision. We were talking earlier and we were saying, that's a, a decision that neither of us regret. Um, and, I, and I think about you a lot, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. You are also an attorney. You do a lot of estate planning. You do business law. You also do a little bit of family law. I thought it would be a, just a great conversation to talk about what you're up to, some of the things that if people are watching this or listening to this on my podcast, making sure that like we can we can maybe get create a checklist and make sure that we have all our all of our ducks in a row, make sure that we can very much avoid some unnecessary uh, risk, and we can do that in, in our professions. And then I would just love to hear some of your wealth ideas and and your experience and in, in building the foundation we were there are so many golden nuggets as we were talking before i'm like man i wish we i wish we would have started recording so with that man welcome to the show and and why don't you give a little bit of background on who you are before we dive in yeah well um i uh, you know as you you probably introduced me in the intro i'm nicholas apps or i go by nick uh, i'm an attorney I, I like to focus on estate planning and as you pointed out I do a, 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 a lot of different things and I, I, I do that for a couple of reasons. One, I just, I like to help people and, and there are people in need of assistance, but also I think um, being well-versed in those areas helps me a, a lot when it comes to the estate planning because I understand how uh, the court system works with uh, some of these areas that people hope that they never have to deal with like divorce or guardianship. Uh, but sometimes it's really good to know about those things. And 
Um, and I just, you know, like I said, I enjoy helping people, giving them good advice. And while uh, my advice regarding Tesla wasn't legal advice, I stand by it. Absolutely. Because I've had a good experience with it as well. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Man, my, my pleasure. Um, I, I love getting people's backstory. I know you know this about me because I just love hearing people's stories about like how they even, why they decided to go the professions that they did. And I think part of that is like, why do you, why are you drawn to things like Tesla's? Cause you, you were talking about that like day one us meeting. So you've, you've definitely, they've been on your radar for a while. I would call you an early adapter. Um, but let's, let's go back to when you were growing up. Why did you, it's like, I don't think anyone just like comes out of the womb saying, I want to be a, a lawyer. I want to be an attorney. What, what, what happened in your life that was like, um, I want to go down this profession. Like, did you get hit hard as a kid in the head or, you know, what, what was that, that like made you be like, I want to do this. Yeah. Part of me wonders if somebody who from a very young age saying, says, if they say they want to be a lawyer. Uh, without really knowing what it is, whether you can take that uh, at, at their word. But um, I, growing up, I was always a big fan of uh, movies and TV shows that that uh, featured lawyers. And um, I remember my my mom watching an old show of uh, L.A. Law um, in the 80s, uh, which uh, I don't know how many people recall, but um, one of my favorite movies growing up that I recall was A Few Good Men, which you know, is, of course, one of the most fantastically written uh, movies of all time. Although it's worth noting that most uh, movies and TV shows about lawyers get a lot of things wrong. Uh, doctors say something similar. But uh, I think what's attractive about the legal profession is, is two things for me. One, it's, as I mentioned before, it's, it's helping people and trying to make a difference. Um, and I think the second thing is, is being able to work in a field where really uh, the challenges are varied and they're people related challenges it's a people business okay and i know your business is is the same way um it's it's something where no two days are the same no two people that come into your office have the same the same precise need the same precise situation and uh, it, it presents a challenge on, on a regular basis and i think that that's one of the things that just kind of um I've, I've dabbled in other fields and, and gotten some experience in insurance and finance myself. Um, but what kind of kept me coming back is the good that I could do and the day-to-day the, the -day challenge that came with this particular business. So um, no regrets uh, in that either at this point in my life. When did, when did Tesla start getting on your radar? So I have to say what I love about Tesla is the future-focused aspect of the entire enterprise. Um, the, the idea of um, having a, 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 a clean electric um, world and going to Mars and some of these other things that uh, Elon Musk is so uh, interested in seem like pie in the sky ideas. Yep. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of technological advances seem very pie in the sky when you first imagine them. And I think that you need to be thinking like that in order to do great things. And I, and I think that we should all be thinking about the future um, from uh, the standpoint of not only, you know, what, what are some risks we need to avoid because that's something that, that we do in our businesses, but also what are some, some risks that we can take that might have disproportionate benefit to us? Yeah. And, and I suppose in his case to humanity. So I really admire that.
Yep. One of the, one of the themes that we have at Better Wealth is unlocking intentional living. Like, I believe that is the metric that we should be doing all of our planning on and we should design people's lives and their money and everything should align with, with what it looks like to live intentionally. So, mm-hmm. so with that, I think a lot of times, you know, what's fun to talk about are the investments are, are the, you could say almost like sexy areas in the business that could, mm-hmm. you know, help you get to where you want to go. But what we also have to do is we have to look at risk management. We have to have the question or we have to be able to step back and say, what kind of things could happen that takes me away from reaching where I want to go? As an attorney, as someone that has seen a lot, talk to me through what does risk even mean? What are like the basics? Because I'm, I'm hoping that if you're watching this, you have your notebook out, you're taking notes, um, because I just know uh, if you drop a fraction of what you know, Nick, it's going to be super, super valuable for my audience just to like make sure that they're getting all their ducks in a row because what we've seen, majority of people that come to us, they they haven't even started estate plans, wills, a lot of business owners haven't done proper agreements. And so I want to know like what big picture and then I want to get specific so that people can actually get going. Sure. Well, I hope it's the case that, that I can be uh, useful in that regard. I mean, when I, so for starters, risk management, it kind of informs everything about what I do as an estate planner, especially because um, risk really is, when I think about risk, I think what, what can happen that's undesirable? You know, what is it that, that you have out there that can, that can be a negative change or a negative impact on your plan for your life. And and even if people haven't articulated a plan for their life uh, in in a very precise fashion. um, So, you know, some people are very, are are more planners than others and they think long-term. I think everybody has an idea of where they, they want their life to go. And once, especially they have some assets in the family you know, I think most people at least have some notion of what their future is going to look like. Maybe it's something relatively uh, straightforward, like I, I want to work until I'm a certain age and then I want to retire. So, um, but it could be more complicated than that. Uh, people have complicated families and situations. So think about the threats to that, right? Um, and in when you're managing risk, you know, there are risks that, that, you take intentionally, right? When you're talking about living intentionally, you want to know why am I doing this, right? When I when I started my law firm and, and and started a business for myself, that was an intentional risk, and I take it because I feel like the upside is disproportional to the downside. But in estate planning, there are risks where the downside is definitely disproportional. I, I, if you um, if you suffer a premature premature death, knock on wood, I do that about ten times a day. Um, or a disability, or, or um, if there's some sort of financially negative circumstance because of medical or, or even a business loss or any number of other things, then your plan for how you are going to protect yourself, how you're going to live your life, how you're going to distribute your assets can change in no time. And so when I walk people through their estate plan, I think, you know, first of all, what do you want to accomplish? Um, how do you imagine accomplishing that? And then what are the risks? What are the, the possible barriers? And what are the possible negative events that could happen? The, you know, the, the, the known unknowns, if you can. 
that are going to, that could stand in the way? And then how do we set up plans to uh, protect against that? Uh, and I guess we can get a little bit more specific about some of those things if you'd like to do that. What I would love to do is like, what's the, what's those foundational things that every family should, should address? And I know, I know the word every family might, may be, maybe too broad, but the people that are actually saving, that actually want to build wealth, that, that want to live intentionally, if they, if they say, okay, cause I want to. I want to delve into business and and some more technical stuff with you as well because I think that's in, that like is interesting to me, but I don't want to I don't want to like just swoop over the fact that like what is that foundational thing that majority of people need to make sure they address. Well, I think that for everybody who is uh, is is thinking about estate planning and even before they start thinking about it, there are a few things they should be they should be focused on. Number one. Um, if you're not able to make decisions in your life, who do you have that can help you do that? And who has the authority to do that? Um, one of the very uh, simple things that can occur that can really throw an entire extended family into disarray is if somebody has uh, an illness or some sort of a medical issue that wherein they cannot make decisions about how their health care is going to uh, occur and they can't uh, do make any decisions regarding their finances. And so they everybody should have uh, a, a durable power of attorney for finances and they should have a power of attorney for healthcare. And those are things that, that that's, people don't think of that as estate planning because it's not after death, right? People think of estate planning as, oh, a will or a trust after I die, this is what's going to happen. But there are a lot of risks that happen during your lifetime as well. And that's, and I think that that's, that's definitely a start. And, you know, everybody can have at least a uh, people, the phrase simple will gets thrown around. And as you can imagine, that drives me crazy because no two people are the same, but with a will, you can do uh, some, some really important things like uh, define who is going to be a guardian uh, who, or who you nominate uh, as a guardian for your children if they are underage. Um, they, they, who is going to be your personal representative or your executor, depending on what yep. state you're in, they have different names. So who's going to handle all your affairs uh, at your passing. And then you can also set who's going to, um, who's going to get what in terms of property. And also you can give yourself some other options. There's a few um, specific things we can do, even with what is otherwise quote unquote, a simple will that can help people who are in a variety of situations. And those, those three things are kind of a bedrock yeah. that, that, are, it's pre, that is pretty reasonable for most attorneys to do that work for people and doesn't require that you're, you're wealthy um, or have an extensive array of assets to manage in order to get that done just for a, a, a basic starting point. When you say that not every not everyone's the same. I think that's I think that's what the internet can get wrong is like you can go online and get this fill out this free thing and and you got I guess you're better off than not having anything. But at the end of the day, it's a very cookie cutter answer. Yeah, well, if you don't mind, Caleb. Yeah. One of the things here's where one of my pet peeves um, is not necessarily that people are going go online to do things by themselves because we sort of are in an age where people, and I think especially our generation, if you'll permit me to, to make myself a little younger and be part of your generation. Yes. Um, I, I think we're very uh, self-motivated 
and uh, tech savvy. And I think that uh, it, 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 there is a lot of the things we do in estate planning have the appearance of being able to be done by someone who's not an attorney. And uh, you know, if you're if you're fortunate, if nothing bad happens uh, to you, you know, you, you never see otherwise. But what a pet peeve of mine is when people will will get just they'll get a little bit of information um, that may be accurate, but it's not the whole picture. That's right. And so they learn. They think they've learned something. Um, for example, you will see a lot of information about living trusts online. And you'll see very conflicting information. And if you go to some uh, websites, you will see people say, well, you don't need a living trust because what's going to happen is you're going to overpay and you're going to get uh, a lawyer who, who gives you a cookie cutter um, plan with a binder this thick, if you can see yeah. what I'm doing. And, um, and it's not going to be tailored to you and, and, it's, and you're never going to need it because you're never going to use any of the provisions in it anyway. For some people that may be true and trusts tend to get oversold, but you can do so many things with living trusts that I, I don't even have time to, to get through them all in a, in a podcast here. And it, it just depends on your situation, what you want to get done. So I use that as an example, not because I think everybody should have a living trust, uh, quite, um, quite the opposite in terms of... Uh, again, looking at people for, on an individual basis, I don't think there's anything you can say that everybody should have. I agree. Um, but that's exactly my point. You get a little bit of information that's targeted yep. at a large group and, and you're not necessarily getting the whole story and seeing how it, it relates to you without a personal uh, conversation with somebody who knows. Yep. Just because you read a headline doesn't make you an expert. That's that's uh, that's something that needs to be understood here uh, in 2021. Uh, question for you: I th I think very much context is is what people are paying us all all of our all the professionals like that help people to get results. It's like you come in, tell me what you actually want, tell me what like what what you're headed towards, and then let the expert that does this day in and day out be able to craft a plan and and really make sure that all your ducks are in, in a row. The question I have is what what is the di the difference between a living trust and a simple will? Because and again, you're going to make some general like you're going to be general in these points. But like, if you're listening to this, where where should where would you lean depending on what's going on in your life? Sure. Well, uh, uh, a living trust. Um, so so I guess I'll start with a with a will. If you only have a will, I resist the urge to use the phrase simple will. But if you only have a will and you don't have trusts. Um, you, you have, you can do the things that I mentioned. Uh, you can even have what we call testamentary trusts built into the will and what that, and the will will do the things that I mentioned before. It'll allow you to, uh, to nominate guardians, uh, pick a personal representative, uh, provide for the, uh, the transfer of assets, which are, are things that a trust can do as well. A trust has some added, uh, benefits that some of which are, are very clear and easy to see, some of which really depend on the situation. Um, one of the benefits is that you can bypass the probate process using a living trust. And I think people hear that a lot, but they don't know what it means. Yep. Um, in Wisconsin, where I practice, probate um, is a process uh, where you have, to, you have to file your will publicly. Um, it's, I mean, it's a public document. Anybody can go uh, across the street to the courthouse here in Wood County where I am and look up wills that have been filed. So um, that, that's, that's something where if your will says anything specific about you or your, your family or your, what, how you're distributing things, 
somebody who's very motivated can find that out. Um, and I don't know if that's the case everywhere, but in Wisconsin, it's pretty common for that to be, uh, for that to be the case. And, um, and so you're, you, you file it, you, uh, you file to open a probate, either a, a informal or a formal probate, depending on uh, whether or not there's any conflict in the case. And a few other, uh, there's a few other, other determinants. And you have to have a four month claims period. So where anybody can make claims against the estate. Um, and that means any, now that doesn't mean any claim will be, will be heard, but I once had to drive two hours to defend a claim uh, that was completely frivolous and the client had to pay for that because it had to be defended. And so it happens. And then you have to file an inventory, pay an inventory fee Then you have to file an accounting and get a final, uh, a final closing certificate from the state. And that's even really simplifying the process. A living trust allows you to bypass that for the most part, because assets that you have in trust stay in trust and the trust will then be able to distribute them, retitle, and do all of these things without uh, the probate court ever having to get involved. Um, as I alluded to earlier, privacy is another aspect that's yep. really valuable because you, you still have to file your pour over will, the will that says um, anything that's not already in the trust goes into it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm oversimplifying, but, it, but it, yeah. it, that way people don't, can't just go into the courthouse, look up on the computer what you're doing with your what yeah. you've done with your assets. Um, so that's a benefit too. And then there are numerous other uh, other benefits that you can set up sub trusts. Um, if you are if, if people that are are a little bit wealthier, use uh, sub trusts and to have uh, to to reduce the impact of estate taxes. Although that's much less of an issue than it was. Um, you can really, uh, you can set up special needs trusts if you have a beneficiary who's on public benefits, or you can set up trusts that are, are designed to, uh, to, to, to meet out the assets more slowly to somebody who, if you have a beneficiary that has, um, that has a spending problem or has uh, some sort of an addiction, you can give them an opportunity to. Yeah, uh, you can you can coach them from the grave. <laughs> well, a little bit. You know, there's yeah. well, there's this colorful term called the dead hand uh, that that is used when when people exercise too much control uh, from yeah. being on the grave. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think generally speaking, having that sort of flexibility and and ability to to be creative with things. Um, it is beneficial. And it also, the trust also provides a single place where every, all of your life insurance uh, proceeds can go, where all of your payable on death assets can go uh, with the yep. exception of IRAs, uh, which, which are, are much harder to put in trust, but it, I mean, it can be done, but, but it's usually not recommended. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then the trust can distribute everything so that you don't have, boy, I forgot to, uh, okay. I forgot to update my, my beneficiaries, and I know I would never do that because I have uh, I have Caleb to to keep me up to up to speed on things. But you know there are people with assets out there that they don't retitle. Yeah, I've I've seen beneficiaries lose hundreds of thousands of dollars because of a titling error. It's crazy, and, and that's something that doesn't happen if it all goes to the same pot. And if it all goes to the same pot in your estate rather than your trust, that pot has to be disclosed. It has to be paid a fee upon. People can make claims against it. So, so there are some real benefits, but uh, the drawbacks, of course, is that you, you have to, 
you have to manage it. I mean, you, you don't manage it actively, but you have to move your assets into it. Yeah. You got to retitle. You got to set it up. I mean, yes, it's, exactly. it's like it's not the most quote unquote passive thing, but once set up, you have a really foundational, you have a foundational asset and a, and just a foundation in general to make sure that you can start building on. What is the what is the typical net worth or typical income that someone would have to make them want to do the trust versus a will? Um, and I'm I'm making the assumption that every single person that is watching this or listening to this should get something. I think that's is that a blanket statement that can be made, but then well, I, it, it depends I, yes. on what. I think I think that that's fair. I mean, it sounds somewhat self-serving for an attorney to say that. So you know, <laughs> take it, take it for what it's worth. But but I think I think that's true. Uh, that that planning most people. The vast majority benefit from some sort of planning. Now, in terms of who benefits from a, a living trust more than others, the the bottom line is, um, if you have any, I guess, unless you are someone who has a very, a very narrow set of concerns and a very small uh, amount of assets you have under your control, it may not be cost effective to do a living trust. And it's really not that costly, although um, it certainly takes more of your lawyer's time to set that up and therefore has more cost. But I'm actually gonna bring this back to a video you recently did on that cost avoidance, um, yeah. uh, cost of, that cost avoidance syndrome, where what is the real cost of what you're right. doing? And, and as I, I think uh, perhaps implied, uh, long-term the cost in, in money and also in stress uh, going through probate for your uh, heirs uh, generally outpaces the cost of, of having a good estate plan set up on the front end by, by a, quite a margin. Yep. I'm curious, what are the, what are the big mistakes that people make? I, I, I think we can learn so much by other people's mistakes. Any, any like, obviously you can't get specific, you can't name names, but anything that you've seen in your studies or that you've experienced that go, wow, don't make this mistake. So that's a that's an excellent question, and I, I think that there, first of all, the biggest mistake that I see people make is waiting too long to start planning, and this very often happens when people are in a situation where they have a long term care need on the horizon, and they haven't done enough planning on the front end. Uh, planning for long long term care needs is both a financial and a legal uh, issue that really needs to be. I think people need to be considering that when they are comparatively young to when, when you would think of somebody being at risk of being, say, in a nursing home. Even though long-term care doesn't necessarily mean that, um, I think when people are in their 50s, they should be thinking about it because um, you, can, you can set things up where you can set assets aside and uh, you can protect some of the things that you want to protect for the next generation um, in the event that you ever have a need for, you know, God forbid you have a need for Medicaid or something like that. Yeah. So I see that, I see that quite a bit, way too often as a matter of fact. So I'd urge people, um, even if you don't get a complex estate plan that, that, you know, you, you, I mean, you don't need to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to protect yeah. yourself. You really just need to have a conversation with an attorney early enough and it'll save it. Um, as far as other types of, of, mistakes people make when they do plan. Uh, another very common one is that people will put a plan in place and then they won't follow it. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I, I know a thing or two about that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the problem is when you set up, uh, especially when you set up a trust, but even when you set up a will, you've got you've got a plan for who your beneficiaries are and who what they're going to get and how they're going to get it. And then, um, of course, people have assets that they you know they direct outside of their will like their IRAs which they they might not have their beneficiaries up to date on or they they set up a trust and then they don't retitle the assets to go into the trust um yeah. and so they've got their they they set this whole trust up and then they've got their personal residence outside of the trust yep and yep. you can actually put you know you even if you have a mortgage on your home you can you can generally put it into trust as long as you the trust meets certain requirements which are easy to to meet uh, yep. if you have a good attorney doing it and uh but people don't do that and then they have to go through probate for their personal residence and and the whole reason behind this this thing uh doesn't d- d- doesn't come to fruition so uh, it really is about i think um being intentional again in how yeah. you look at what the future is and how your planning is going to go. And that eliminates 99% of the problems. I agree. Um, when it comes to long-term care, long-term care, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's essentially if you need a nursing home or if you need extended care, it's usually, usually what qualifies long-term care is if you can't perform two out of the six uh, activities of daily living. So it's like, it's, and, and it's common. I mean, it's common when, when you get older and what, what you can do is get insurance and that, that also kind of shields your assets and, and pays if that, if that, uh, if you need to have that, if you need to like go into a nursing home, my, my, I guess my question is a living trust or a trust in general, if you get assets into there, does that shield from the long-term care and it does it shield your assets from the state it's a really that's a really good question um a living trust does not uh, what you would need to do in that case uh, some people will will use a variety of techniques to uh to try and protect assets from being lost to long-term care insurance is one of them and it, it, it's a especially if you have um, i understand that that uh, long-term care policies are being much better um, they're much better than they used to be when, yep. when I was in the business and continue to improve. So, so that's, that's a good option. Um, there's also something called an irrevocable trust. So a living trust is revocable. You can, you can cancel it at any time. An irrevocable trust is like setting up a business kind of, uh, is the way I explain it to, mm. to people. It's a separate entity that, that even if you're managing it as trustee, it, it isn't you. And so it's outside you, any assets you move there are outside of your control. And as long as it's in there long enough, right now it's five years. Um, those assets generally can't be accessed for uh, Medicaid purposes. And, uh, but one of the little things, uh, so, so to speak, that people can do to really do some uh, key long-term care planning is just to make sure that you have that healthcare power of attorney done yep. and current because um, and also that that healthcare power of attorney gives your agent the ability to uh, make decisions related to long-term care planning. Uh, I think a lot of people are worried that, well, are my kids going to put me in a home when I get older? Those sorts of things. It's it, I, And I understand why people feel that way. Um, but I, I think there's two things I would say to that. Number one, as long as you have the ability to make those decisions, yeah. your, your agent isn't making them for you anyway. And secondly, 
pick somebody that you trust that that really is it you know that that somebody that knows your wishes and um, if that person has the ability to make those decisions they can you can avoid the guardianship process which can yep. be very painful and and sometimes sometimes stressful expensive yeah. Um, and you end up in a, and people end up in long-term care anyway, without having a choice. So um, if you have all of your wishes in writing to the best extent that you can, and I always tell people to have a conversation with the people that you would be expecting to make those decisions for you, because they should know that that's a responsibility exactly. that they should be aware that they have. And hopefully you've, you've selected people that, well, they don't want that responsibility exactly because you don't want it to happen to anybody, right. but that they wouldn't, they would, they would want it to be them if someone had to do it. Right. You know, so that's that, I think those are, those are some, some uh, big picture things that you, that people can do to be, um, to protect against long-term care. But um, one thing that I also tell people that are younger is, um, plan ahead, save money, uh, try to self-insure to the best extent that you can, because the way that government and various individual states treat long-term care, Medicaid, and various things, that is an, uh, that, that is an unknown how the yeah. law is going to change in the future, and totally. you can't guarantee anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I think sometimes we, we like put our 40-year plans mm -hmm. today, knowing that like, the only thing that's going to change is change itself. So it's like, it, it's going to happen 100%. <laughs> so it's like, we, we need to do the best, of, like we need to do our best now. We have to give ourselves options for the future. And, and it's one of those things of like, yeah, you can set up the foundation, but make sure that you actually are working with someone ongoing to make sure that you're still optimized for where you want to go. Absolutely. I, I mean, the, the law has, I mean, just by way of easy example, um, not so long ago, uh, the look back period on transferring assets away from yourself was three years rather than five. And mm -hmm. one day, you know, the law changed and it became five years. And, and now if you gave away anything within the last five years and you apply for, uh, for Medicaid, yep. you're not going to get it. So, and, and I think social security is probably something that you look at similarly in your business, right? I mean, we'd like to think it's going to be there and it's going to be what it says when you go on the website and put in your, your <laughs> yeah. data or whatever. Um, but that isn't necessarily the case. I mean, we don't, we only have control over what we have control right. over. That's right. um, and I think, it, you know, one of the things that I like about estate planning is that it is, you know, it, it's hard to do perfectly. Um, if, if even possible. But I think that uh, as an effort to exert some healthy control over your future, it's, yeah. it's a really important thing to do that. I think compared to some other ways that people do uh, try to exercise control over their future, it's comparatively low cost. Okay. Let's talk about two other common questions. And so, you know, switching a little bit from state to business. If you're a business owner, I have a lot of business owners as clients, people watching the show. What what kind of things does a business owner need to make sure that they have high level? And if they were like to create a checklist, what, what would that be? Well, I think it's important to, um, I mean, I think every business owner 
is able to do enough research to know, you know, they need to get their EIN number and they need to file with their state uh, and Department of Financial Institutions is what we call it in Wisconsin and, and various things. I think it's also important to have some sort of liability shielding uh, legal structure in place. LLCs are very common. And I mean, I'm structured as an LLC, although there are some professionals uh, that have are structured as service corporations or professional corporations. I, I mean, each state has, has variations mm -hmm. on these things, but I think that's really important for liability purposes. Um, it's also critical if you have multiple um, people involved in the business uh, because uh, relationships between partners can be hairy at times. Yep. It can be difficult to manage. And so I also recommend that um, that that having a, a good operating agreement, whether that's a partnership agreement, an LLC operating agreement, um, or bylaws, if you're you're a a, a C corporation or some, uh, mm. some some other variant, to set forth the rights, make sure everybody knows what the score is uh, right from yeah. the beginning. And and I think that that's really important. I see a lot of startups where people just they just go right. They have good ideas and they just go, and that's great. I think that's fantastic, but um, they should be talking. I think to to somebody like me 100%. just to make sure that they're not kind of uh, you know they're going to be out over their skis a little bit no matter yeah. what just because they're 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 wanting to take the risk. But a little bit of of protection with some advice. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about operating operating agreements because it's like. That is, that is something that I see all the time. People get in with the right intention. I mean, think about this. Marriages, the track record on staying married is not great. And a lot of times that's more intimate than your business partner kind of deal. So we, I see disasters all over the place. And I would say this is, this is maybe a little dramatic, but almost nobody has an operating agreement. I see it's... It's rare, and it's also something people are again tempted to do themselves yeah. uh, with, with a little help from the internet. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> I make a point about marriages, and I had to knock on wood just to, just because. Um, but uh, a business partnership is like a marriage, but business partners also have marriages very often as well. And so, something that that you can do with an operating agreement as well, or you can do it separately if you don't have it in your existing one, is a buy sell agreement. And those are important because you need to set forth what the rights are going to be if, if anything happens. I mean, you know, and, and something simple, like if you have two people who are business partners for life, basically, and unless they, they pass on the same day, one of them is going to pass yep. before the other one. And then if that person is married, suddenly their interest uh, in, in Wisconsin, which is a marital property uh, state, for example, um, or a community property state, if you like, depending on, on where you're uh, listening to this, the, the spouse has pretty much automatic rights to mm -hmm. it. And, um, and the same applies in the case of, uh, uh, of, a, uh, of a divorce as well. Um, all of a sudden, the value of that business becomes very attractive to your spouse's uh, divorce attorney. And, and I don't mean to bring this up as kind of a cynical uh, aspect, because you, you, you'd like to hope that these things aren't going to happen. I get it. But if, yeah, but if they do, um, you need the business to be able to automatically retain that interest. Yeah. Because 
you know, you, you, you picked this other, you picked the, this other person or these other people to get into business with, but you didn't pick who they got married to, yeah. hey. um, yep. for example. <laughs> so, so yeah, that a buy sell agreement, I think is, is critical. I try to tell people to do that um, right from the get go, even if they're on their, you know, I mean, even if they're six months in and they're single or sometimes even if they're on their own but they might have plans for investors or, or somebody to help mm-hmm. them out in the future it's good to just set these things out at the beginning and it's a lot easier to uh, make minor alterations to something that exists okay. than to kind of create something out of nowhere after the fact when the situation is complicated nick i could talk a ton about this and I like I want like maybe we have a part two if we get into the weeds, uh, but operating agreements, buy sells, and and just again when we're talking about foundation, you could be you could crush it in business, still have a great relationship with your business partner or business partners, but one of your business partners has a personal thing happen in their life, and boom, everything changes if it's not properly um, talked about. And so I just can't stress that enough. Last question on this. Um, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Real estate. We get a lot of people doing real estate and a common question is, Caleb, I like real estate. What can I do from a attorney standpoint to really make sure I'm protected and build my real estate empire? I believe when we first started talking, this is probably the question I asked you because I've yeah. always been fascinated with investing and doing it wisely. Yeah, no, real estate, I get the question a lot uh, from a lot of different sources. And I think that there's a reason uh, real estate's attractive as an investment. Um, You know, it's something that if you do it right, I mean, I have some clients who've been very successful with their investing. Uh, There's a couple of things that you can do. I mean, using, uh, again, if you're investing in real estate, that's a business, which means you can also protect it with an LLC uh, structure or something similar as well. LLCs are very uh, common when it comes to uh, real estate. And it's good to, again, keep it separate because I've seen people who don't do this. And then, you know, the, 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 the investment property, and then also your personal property are, are uh, yeah. available to creditors, which is uh, like the, the phrase available to creditors is just uh, kryptonite for, I think, yeah. any business person and, and rightly so. Another thing people should definitely do, and this is, this is something I give sort of as, as legal advice to my clients, even though it's not legal advice. I say, make sure that you are very well insured. <laughs> and the, the, the property casualty insurance, uh, the, the umbrella insurance that you can get, Get as much, I mean, with an umbrella policy, get as much insurance as you can. Because if you own dozens of properties, you know, now again, that, that might be somewhat rare, but even if you own multiples, you know, putting each individual property in an LLC starts to add up in terms of time management cost and these, yeah. these various things. You know, you're, you're inevitably, people are probably going to combine multiple uh, types or multiple real estate holdings into single business entities. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're well enough insured and over-insured if you can be. Um, I, I know insurance guys don't necessarily like, like that, uh, that term, but get as much insurance as you can because if something bad happens, you want to be able to have that, that taken care of. So, that, so the, you know, the legal part helps contain it, yeah. And you can also contain it through really, you know, airtight to the extent that is possible. 
rental agreements, tenant, uh, uh, you know, landlord tenant agreements, commercial and, and these things, but then also, uh, you know, through that, that, that protective structure and then, and you keep that all contained and then you have the insurance so that whatever Tempest is going on within that structure can be, uh, can be covered. That's, that's a really, I think the best way to start it out. And then uh, the final advice, piece of advice I always give to people who are, are landlords is try to be a good one and, and try to be conscientious because, you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you don't, I, I mean, there's, there's this concept of people who, who are slumlords and, and I don't, um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily subscribe to that as being as, as much a problem as it is. Hopefully it's not, maybe I'm naive about it, but, but be a good landlord. And then also um, be very conscientious about who you actually rent to in terms of businesses yeah. and in terms of tenants, protect yourself. And then the investment will actually, again, as, as you pointed out in your, um, uh, your, your the cost avoidance uh, episode that you did, there are hidden costs that that happen with real estate a lot, so be prepared for that. But in the end, it, it's it's if you do it right, real estate investment's a great way to build wealth. I love it, man. Uh, speaking of wealth, talking about your wealth journey, it's obviously I don't want you to get in specific at all. But what are some of the things that you've learned these last couple of years of just how you think about money? I also from from a life insurance perspective, how does an estate planning attorney look at that? asset because i think you have a unique perspective a lot of people look at just the cash value the living benefits or and and say man i might i want to might want to do overfund life insurance for that but we have to think with the whole whole uh, end in mind concept so if, with your journey what what are some of the things that you've learned these last couple of years it, it could be from me or it could be from someone else i'm just curious on your journey sure well look life insurance is the, the biggest thing that's hard to get people to understand in my experience, and maybe you've seen this as well about life insurance is the flexibility that it gives you. And um, I've seen a lot of people that, that will do the, the term life insurance thing. And then they wish they had some death benefit coverage, whether it's to make sure that, you know, they, to, to direct it to maybe a, 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 a relative that they feel like needs it, even if they, even if them, they and their spouse are taken care of, or to direct it to a charity or some sort of a beneficial um, or organization that can benefit tremendously from it. Um, and I have no, like I said, I have no regrets about about uh, getting my life insurance because I like having the cash value there, the the protection of having a liquid asset. And, and so, for me diversifying means more than just buying a, an, an adequate uh, differential, a differential between stocks and bonds. Um, it means different types of assets that react differently to different events. Um, when the market plummeted la about a year ago, uh, my life insurance policy didn't do anything. <laughs> it didn't go down, it didn't disappear. Um, you know, and when the market shot back up, um, it didn't either, which, you know, everybody likes to see things grow fast, but they don't like to see them go down. Um, but I like the stability of that. And so what I do is I do invest in the market in, in you know, I have IRAs, I have investments, but um, a really significant piece for me is that life insurance aspect. And, um, 
I also now, you know, I own a building as a, as a business owner. So I'm, I'm my foray into real estate has officially begun. Love it. And, and all of, none of these things I think are necessarily correlated with yep. one another in the traditional sense either. So just, um, I think that the best thing you can do is to think about how do you, how, how do you, I mean, there's so, there are so many unknown unknowns. You never know what's going to, going to happen. I mean, you know, a handful of people predicted the market crash in 2008, um, a handful, right? Maybe more people should have known, but you know, who can say, but people who had their life savings all sitting in one IRA in, in the market, just, and were in their sixties or seventies or whatever it was, they, they rightfully were shocked by it. And I think the best, the, the best way to, to protect against those sorts of things is to be um, well diversified beyond simply the traditional notion. So that, that's what I try to do. And that's I, what I've learned. I really like what you said about diversification, because I think a lot of times we, we think of just diversifying like investments, which is, it was also smart, you know, don't, I mean, it's not, maybe you have a large, uh, holdings in, in Tesla, but like for the most part, I think the recommendation is make sure you diversify in the S and P 500. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why you want to do that. Um, but, but I love that you talk about like, there's other assets that treat different things like disabilities, like taxes going up, like stock market crashes. Like we have to factor in a lot more than just up in like the simplicity of uh, assets growing or decreasing in the market. So that love that you pointed that out. I also want to highlight like and congratulate you on starting your business on being like, I, I want people to get this. You, you're a business owner, you own real estate, you're invested in other assets. You have a foundational asset in life insurance. Like you, you're, it's not like your money's all over the place. It's all working towards helping you get to where you want to go. And so you've always been a really great example of someone that's like, you know, it's not like you were a trust fund baby kind of person. Like you've worked hard. I've seen you build your business. And I just want to congratulate you on that. I think it's a great example for all of us who very much want to have someone to look for as someone who's doing it right. And so thank you for being a great example. Well, I, I appreciate that, Kayla. That means a lot um, coming from you because I've seen how hard you've worked as well. And and if there's anything that I think a an aspiring business owner, and, and that's and that's a much wider term than I think people would traditionally understand it to be, because the opportunities for entrepreneurship uh, are are very. Um, I think that they're greater than they've ever been, and I think a lot of that through. Uh, the internet, but also uh, there's economic opportunity if you know where to look for it. And so what I would say to people that are thinking about doing that is that, again, there's nothing wrong with taking risks. I mean, it's, it's risk management isn't about okay. avoiding all risk, because if that were the case, um, it would be you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning and get in the shower for fear of falling. And, and at some point, you have to you have to live intentionally, as you say. You have to um, take risks on purpose, so that you know instead of instead of being subject. I mean, a lot of people as as employees have the same amount of risk as an entrepreneur. They just don't realize it. Yeah. They don't they don't see the risk. It's hidden from them. It's opaque because the employer doesn't 
doesn't share that, right. that, all that information about the risk with them, and they don't get to make any of the decisions the employer does. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an employee yeah. um, under if you know, again, if you accept that trade-off. But as a business owner, um, I say people, you know, you have to be prepared to work your you-know-what off and, um, and try to enjoy it along the way, though, too, because um, I wouldn't enjoy doing this business if it was just about putting dollars in, in my pocket, because there are a ton of ways that a person can do that if they're really, yeah. um, if they're really motivated. And again, I, I mean, you know, I might be, I know I'm not a trust fund baby, but, but I probably have, I'm speaking more from a, a point of privilege than some people that might be listening to the podcast, but, but I think you can really get a lot done by just believing in, in what you're doing and doing something that you care about and finding a way to, to make money and help people doing something that you care about. And I'm lucky enough that, that that's, for me, something that, that, that avenue was available and I, I was able to take it. I love it, man. If, if this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, what would you make sure to communicate in, to your family, to the people that you love the most? If you can't give them anything, you can't even give them your estate or living trust <laughs> documents quite yet. What would you make sure to communicate in the last conversation? Whew. Well, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty heavy thing to consider. But I think I would like to think what I would, I would say to them is that uh, how much I appreciate what they've done to help get me where I am. Um, and that, you know, all the people close to me and, and, you know, this, uh, to an extent, this applies to you as well, Caleb. Um, it, the, I think everybody that we, we spend time with in our life, um, that we're, that we're close to, we have an opportunity to make a difference for them and, and they have an opportunity to make a difference for us. I've been very fortunate to have a, a number of people in my life. Um, from my parents to my uh, my wife and even my kids who are too young to be in business with me, of course. But but on a on a day to day basis, they you know they make it all worth doing. And I think that I would I would hope to convey that to them and and to say, um, you know, try to live by your own positive example and try to uh, uh, surround yourself with the kinds of people that are going to make you feel the way I feel uh, about about you. And, and I and I think hopefully that's. Um, something that they'd be able to take beyond. Nick, I, I really appreciate the wisdom there. How can people connect with you? How can people learn more about what you're up to? Um, I know that you probably can't practice it all 50 states, but I, <laughs> I know that. I, and again, I don't, I don't know how many people you want reaching out, but I want to give you the avenue and the platform to say, this, this is how you connect. And then I'm going to ask you one last question if there's any final thoughts you have. Oh, sure. Well, uh, as far as, as far as finding me, I mean, um, I'm just Apps Law LLC in, in uh, central Wisconsin, um, uh, and Apps is spelled A-B-T-S, or Alpha Bravo Tango Sierra, if you're into the whole NATO phonetic alphabet thing. It helps on the phone to do that. But um, it, I can do, I do a lot of uh, remote uh, consulting uh, on uh, legal matters, especially estate planning throughout Wisconsin, because that's where I'm, uh, mm -hmm. I'm licensed to practice. Um, I have I have considered uh, pursuing uh, licenses in in the, some of the surrounding states because I've some opportunities uh, have come up and you know I've I've started to educate myself about it. But I do have a website. It's just AppsLawLLC.com um, for people uh, looking at it. There's a few uh, nice pictures of my 
my humble little building in humble Wisconsin Rapids. But um, one of the great things about the 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 I think about about our um, the the future that we live in is that I can help people in in uh, glass buildings in Milwaukee and Madison and, and Green Bay uh, from anywhere because of the uh, the value of technology. And I try to be kind of on the ball with that. So if but if people want to email me, if they if if anyone wants to reach out and they they have questions or um, are interested in learning more about me. Uh, my email is on the website, but it's just uh, nick at appslawllc.com. And, and I, you know, be happy to respond to people uh, as soon as I can uh, make myself free to do so. I appreciate you asking that question. Any, any final thoughts you have for my audience? Well, uh, I would just say that if your audience is, is listening to you on a regular basis, then uh, they're, uh, they're, they're a pretty smart group, I think, on balance. And uh, my experience with you has always been very positive and I feel that I'm better for it. Um, and hopefully they feel the same way. But I think the big thing that, that I would say to them is just uh, always, you know, always try to learn as much as you can about some of these things because they're not, you know, nothing is easy. Uh, nothing is simple in terms of, of our modern lives that like yep. so many things have become so complicated. And people like you and I, I think I can say confidently, we're both interested in, in helping people navigate that. So to the extent that they can avail themselves of, of your expertise, um, they should keep doing that. Amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate you so much and grateful that you're in my life and grateful to get this thing produced and, and share it with the world. Likewise, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.